Welcome to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, online nutritionist, weight loss coach, and hormone fixer-upper. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of information and inspiration, sharing with you simple and effective strategies from health, wealth, and all things personal growth. Get ready to become the master of your hormones and experience vibrant health to live a life of more power and possibility. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you guys are doing amazing. I got a lot of delicious feedback about my adaptogenic adrenal fat bombs. If you haven't yet made them, head on over to the website at holisticwellness.ca and grab the recipe. They were so good and they basically just came about on the whim. I wanted something chocolatey, but low sugar and still high fat and satiating. And that's how typically I find a lot of my recipes come about kind of they come from my own personal needs. And so I whipped up some fat bombs using coconut oil and almond butter, some cacao, some chocolate collagen. And then I threw in some amazing adaptogenic herbs. So I used Hishu Wu, which I've spoken about on a past episode. And basically, it's an amazing adrenal tonic and nervous system tonic, great for digestive health, immune system, all of that good stuff. And I threw in a little bit of that. And I also used some anandamide. I know it sounds kind of weird, just like he woo, but anandamide is also from Sun Potion. And it's a blend of different adaptogenic herbs and tonics. So it's got some raw cacao in there, but it also has maca, reishi mushroom, astragalus, It's got ashwagandha, and then it has some great herbs and spices like cardamom, turmeric, cayenne. There's some black pepper in there and sea salt. So it added just this amazing flavor to the fat bombs. And of course, you don't have to use these ingredients. You can use whatever you've got on hand or just keep them out altogether. You can simply make delicious fat bombs with some cacao powder, some almond butter or any kind of nut butter, and then some coconut oil and just heat that over low medium heat and then pour it into some silicone molds and you're good. So really simple. But of course, I took it up a notch. I've got these ingredients and products on hand and I typically will add them to like a smoothie or something like that or make some kind of elixir with them. And I thought they would be perfect in the recipe and they were. So if you're interested in checking out any Sun Potion products, you guys know you can save 10% off your first three orders over $75 over at Pure Feast. And this is, of course, if you are in Canada and use the coupon code Holistic Wellness at checkout and you'll save 10%. And your orders have, again, got to be over $75. Plus, you also get free shipping. So they've got lots of amazing products over there that I just love using. And the anandamide is something that I feel like you would probably use pretty frequently because it tastes delicious. It's great to add in like different elixirs or kind of use it as like a hot chocolate and also add it to great recipes. So I think you guys will love that one. All right, let's dive in to today's episode. I felt like I was just chatting with my girlfriend. It was a really great conversation with Naomi and we were on opposite sides of the world while we were recording this. I was in the evening here, my time in Toronto, and then she's in Australia. And so it was really early morning there for her. And so I'm glad we were able to make it work. We dove into all things hormones, of course. She shared some really great strategies and tips for supporting liver detoxification as well as supporting the gallbladder, which is something I feel like we really need to start diving into 
in this podcast, we don't really talk a lot about gallbladder health. And I feel like there are a lot of women who are struggling with digestive issues because they've had their gallbladder removed. So something that we'll definitely want to dive into in a future episode, but we did speak about it a little bit today. And she also shared this really great tip about food intolerances and how it relates to our hormones and different times in our cycle. And it's interesting, the many years that I've been doing food intolerance testing, I have never been taught this or have never looked at food intolerances in this way and how certain foods might be more reactive based on where you are in your cycle really, really cool. So I was really excited to learn that and will definitely keep it in mind for my own health as well as for the clients that I work with. So Naomi is a certified naturopath with a bachelor's degree in health science. She is a nutritionist, blogger, and author with her own Sydney-based business. Naomi spent much of her late teens and early 20s struggling with depression, anxiety, and menstrual irregularities. Instead of finding answers, Naomi was staring at yet another pillbox until eventually she decided to take matters into her own hands and go back to university and study nutrition and reproductive science. This journey led her to open up her own practice in sunny Sydney. Since then, she has helped thousands of women reach their health goals over the past 10 years. Naomi is also co-founder of the Breakthrough Program a holistic program designed to help women create radiance, vitality, well-being, and hormonal balance. Naomi is well-known in Australia for her expertise in supporting women who are frustrated, fed up, and struggling with unresolved hormonal health problems by helping women connect the dots between their health, happiness, and hormones, enabling them to live a life of optimal vibrancy and joy, what she calls your new normal. So let's dive in to your new normal with today's episode. Hi, Naomi. Welcome to the show. Hi, Samantha. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. I am so excited you're here and I get to speak to you all the way. You're all the way in Australia, which is amazing. Sydney, Australia. Yes. Early in the morning here, but I was up early because I was watching the World Cup. So, Oh, awesome. <laughs> so for those of you who are listening, it's 6.30 a.m. Naomi's time in Australia and it's 4.30 p.m. here. So it's awesome that we found this time to connect. I am so excited to dive into our conversation today. But before we do, I'd love it for you to share with our audience more about who you are and what you do. Yes, well, I'm a naturopath and clinical nutritionist, and I've been working for the past 10 years, focusing really on women's hormones, focusing on women's health, hormones, and just how that connects to everything about their health, you know, their well-being, their moods, how they feel, how they look, and how they kind of are in the world. Because as you know, hormones play such a massive role. And I work here in Sydney. I've got a clinic in Sydney where I see local clients. And then I've got programs online that help women to reconnect with themselves and balance their hormones. And this is just, I mean, being here today with you and chatting about this, it's just a dream. It's just, I love it. I love talking about this and meeting other like-minded people like yourself. That's a wonderful. I love that. So what got you interested in naturopathic medicine to begin with? Well, it's, do you know what? It's kind of that story that I think a lot of professionals in this, in this space kind of start off from here. So I was working in the corporate world and I was 
feeling fatigued, I was feeling anxious, and I was having all sorts of immune-related problems and hormone-related problems that kind of stemmed back to when I was younger. So I was put on the pill at an early age, in my teens, in fact, not for contraception, but simply because I was suffering from excessive pain, really bad menstruating pain, heavy bleeding, and what appeared at the time to just be pain, but now I realize they were ovarian cysts. So I was put on the pill from a teenager and that sent me into a cascade of craziness. Low thyroid in my late teens, early 20s, anxiety, depression, everything you can think of. And it wasn't until I saw a naturopath in my early 20s and then I started to look into it, started to change my diet. And just by doing that, simply by changing my diet, it was huge. It was massive. I couldn't believe it. And that started me on that journey, you know, studying, going to college after work, and then eventually quitting my day job and going to back to uni. And then here I am. I love it. That's amazing. I do feel like so many of the practitioners in this space are in this space because they went through their own health issues and struggles. And I'm right there with you. I was on the pill in my mid-teens. I was 16, 17. And yeah, kind of the same story there. So what are some of the common complaints and issues that you find women are struggling with in your practice? Well, look, the top one is weight. I have so many women come to me with stubborn weight. They do everything. They exercise, they're on diets, they're not eating fat and going to the gym, doing F45 daily, seven days a week. Some of my clients, they come in and they're exercising seven days a week. And it's stubborn weight, not being able to lose the weight. So I see that as one of the biggest issues that clients come and see me for. And then there's heavy, painful periods, irregular periods, periods that are coming every 22 days, or for some women, periods that are coming you know, every 45 to 50 days. Then coupled with that, a lot of my clients have anxiety. I expect you see that. There's a lot of anxiety out there that's related to, yeah, related to diet and hormones. And then IBS. And then I do see a lot of subclinical hypothyroidism as well. Yes. It's kind of like a whole gamut of Mm -hmm. hormonal imbalances. Absolutely. So I know that you and I both love to help educate women on their cycles. So maybe we can dive into the impact of hormones on our cycles. I mean, you touched on how you had irregular cycles and heavy flow growing up and you were on the birth control pill because of that. Mm. Obviously, this plays such a huge role in our thyroid health as well as stubborn weight. You know, it's all interconnected. So maybe we can just dive into that and the impact of hormones on our cycle. Sounds great. Yeah. I mean, it's huge, isn't it? And you have to really look inward. And what I encourage clients to do is to really look at things and track things so you can understand what's related to your hormones and cycle because you can see so many things are affected from your moods to your sleep to what food you want to eat to even just muscles being tense or muscles being more relaxed. It's so interesting to see how the cycle affects all of your symptoms and just as a whole as well. Yes, absolutely. And so what are some simple strategies that you give to women to help them to dive in deeper into understanding their cycle, like using maybe some apps and tracking their ovulation? What does that look like? 
Yeah, I mean, there are great apps out there, but I find it more helpful. I actually get my clients to track it just at first. So the first month to track it on Excel or to track it in some kind of form where they can write everything down because sometimes the apps don't capture everything. Right. So, so for me, for instance, I see, I'll give you an example for me. All my life, I'd had as a young kid, the chicken skin on the backs of my arms, right? the keratosis pilaris. I'd always had that. And what was interesting was I was noticing during ovulation, that flaring up. And so just things like that, that women don't suspect are related to their cycle can flare up. So dandruff can flare up, then also thrush, bloating, constipation, eyesight problems can change through the cycle. So all these little things that maybe women don't realize are affected by their hormones in their cycle can be. So I get them to track it on an Excel first and literally brain dump everything. And what I want to know is, and I don't know about you, but this is what I find. So the day of the cycle, obviously, how they're feeling, every single symptom they write down, but also I track it and I have a look at where their cycle is in relation to the moon, you know, whether it's full moon, whether it's new moon, because that plays a part as well. And then also I get them to test for ovulation. So a lot of women aren't ovulating. And I know I didn't ovulate for such a long period of time after coming off the pill. I also had the implanon, which is the progesterone only rod that goes in the arm for three years, which is crazy. Nasty, nasty stuff. But that affected my ovulation. So I wasn't ovulating. So I get them to really go in deep and to write down everything. That's really great. And it really does allow women to become more connected to their bodies, which is huge because we have this huge disconnection between certain symptoms that we're experiencing during the month. And we would never think that it has anything to do with our cycle. Exactly. So disconnected. And you feel more in control when you understand that there are things within your control that are driving these symptoms. It's not something that's just happening to you. It's not because of your age. It's not because you're a woman that you're experiencing this. It's because there are other things going on with your hormones that you can effectively get under control. And so how do food sensitivities play a role here? Because I know you work a lot with food sensitivities as well. Yeah, I look a lot at food sensitivities because I find that so many people have problems with food. And it might not be the usual trigger foods like your wheat and your dairy, but even other things like bananas. And I see people having problems with pineapple and all of these kind of things. And one of the things that got me to look into this was, I don't know if you've heard this, but when people say, well, I just can't pinpoint the food sensitivity. So that got me looking at the cycle and that got many clients to actually start tracking it. You know, when were you having this? When was it flaring up? And what I noticed, there was one client And she said to me, she said, look, I have Chinese food, but I don't always react to it. So I said, well, track it. Tell me when you react to it. Tell me when you don't react to it. And it was so interesting. She was reacting to the Chinese food when she was having it. And it was around her ovulation, you know, when the estrogen was peaking and she was coming out in hives and rashes and she wasn't sleeping. And we know that Chinese food is high in MSG, monosodium glutamate. And so that was kind of when I thought, okay, there's something bigger here. There's something going on here. And so that was when I started to look at it and look more about how hormones play a role in you know, your sensitivity, in glutamate, in histamine. These are all the things that drive food sensitivities. That is so wild. I've actually never 
thought to have clients actually track food sensitivities based on their cycle. And I'm so going to start doing that now. (laughs) It's amazing. It's so interesting because we know, I mean, we know that estrogen does play a role in the immune system. We know that during pregnancy, there are the three types of estrogen and we know that the estriol rises during pregnancy. And what that does is that actually mediates the immune system. So if you've got something like rheumatoid arthritis or Hashimoto's, you know, an autoimmune disease, we know that during pregnancy, those symptoms actually decrease. But what happens is your body then goes into sort of the other immune system. It down-regulates your TH1. It will down-regulate it. And you're more likely to get other things during your pregnancy, but your autoimmune conditions and that kind of inflammation goes down, which is interesting. So hence, we know that during the cycle, estrogen is going to be changing our immune system. We're more likely to get coughs and colds at certain times of the month. We're more likely to be more susceptible to getting allergies and that kind of thing. That's pretty awesome. I love that. So clearly there's this deeper connection between estrogen dominance and food intolerances. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I definitely see it. Definitely see it. And, you know, I see it with a few different things. So if you get women to track it, you can really see when things are happening. But then if you look at how hormones affect, say, neurotransmitters, for instance, we look at estrogen. And it's very interesting what estrogen does. So we've got a beautiful neurotransmitter called GABA, which is kind of relaxing. So GABA helps to regulate your dopamine. It helps to regulate your serotonin. And what estrogen effectively does is it suppresses GABA. So that's why women are more likely to get, say, anxiety, but also they kind of like feel a little bit on edge. And then at the same time, estrogen will actually excite glutamate. And glutamate is actually in certain foods. So glutamate's in kind of like monosodium glutamate, which is added to maybe Thai food, maybe Chinese food, or salted in some takeaway foods. And so that's what I see happening. I see women getting that kind of the high glutamate symptoms, particularly around ovulation, but especially if they're estrogen dominant. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so it's wild that you say that because there's this really popular restaurant here where we live and it's run by this like very famous chef and you would think that the food would be super high quality just because of the chef who runs it and whatnot and so when my boyfriend and I went there one night for dinner I was curious and I asked the waiter I said you know I'm just out of curiosity like does any ingredients here do any recipes have MSG And he came back and he said, you know, he's like, let me go find out. And he came back to the table and he said, everything on the menu contains MSG. Wow. And I was so disappointed and we got up and we left because I wouldn't have ever guessed it. But for the women listening, MSG is a common ingredient used in Mm. a lot of cooking because it really does give that extra flavor and it can really change your palate, but it's very excitatory. And so this is just amazing to see the connection of MSG and how that can really play a role at certain times of your cycle. And I'm going to definitely have clients be more conscious of that and track that more closely. It's me up at night. If I have it, I'm kind of wide awake and wide yes. I'm like I'm sure there was something in what I just said. <laughs> Absolutely. I do. I do get that like wired feeling 100%. And I get a headache when I eat it, I pretty instantly will get a headache or a migraine. So I am quite reactive to it. Right away. Yeah. 
Yeah, yes. absolutely. This is why stick to whole foods, make everything at home. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And a bit of natural, it's, you know, naturally it's in foods when they actually add it to foods, it's so much, it's so much and you can taste it. And I get, you get the headaches and I get so dehydrated. I wake up in the middle of the night and it's like, I can't drink enough water. I'm just drinking liters of water thinking, well, I'm so dehydrated. Absolutely. Yes. I can totally relate to that. I'm sure there's a lot of women listening thinking, oh my God, this sounds like me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what are some everyday foods that we can start to include in our diets to better support detoxification and our hormones? Because of course, supporting liver detoxification is really going to support hormonal health and help regulate our cycles as well. So what are some everyday foods that you recommend? So I kind of split it up. I split the foods up. So when you're looking after hormones, the first thing, like you said, is cleansing. So you're helping your body to cleanse. And we've got a few. We've got the bowel. We've got the liver and the gallbladder. Don't forget the gallbladder. The gallbladder takes on so much strain from everyday toxins. And what I find with estrogen dominance is the gallbladder gets a little bit sticky because it's kind of holding on to lots of toxins and lots of hormone byproducts. So firstly, cleansing. And the best way to cleanse the bowel is to make sure you're getting enough fiber. So you want to be having around 40 grams of fiber a day. And that can be in your vegetables. That can be a little bit of fruit every day. I don't go with the opinion of no fruit at all. I actually think there are benefits to fruit. You know, they've got catalase in, they've got different antioxidants in. So, you know, a serve a day, I think is perfectly fine, whether it's one green apple a day, whether it's some berries, I don't see a problem with that. I know it is sugary, but as long as you're smart about it and not eating too much fruit. So definitely getting your fiber in with vegetables and fruit and non-gluten grains, a little bit of rice, quinoa, buckwheat, that kind of thing. So you're getting the fiber will help to excrete any hormones and any toxins. And then we've got the big vegetables that help with estrogen with the, you know, your brassica vegetables, your cabbage, your kale, your broccoli, all of those vegetables actually help to remove the estrogen from your body and they help to upregulate the liver's detoxification system. So it can remove that phase two, it can help to remove those hormones. So definitely having a cup of two of those vegetables in your diet daily. Now, some people unfortunately can't tolerate those vegetables. So you can try a couple of different things. So definitely with broccoli, make sure you cook it really well. And what I find is I've got a beautiful soup that I do. I love doing soup sometimes, you know, like a a soup cleanse for a couple of days. But I have a, a recipe where I have broccoli and green beans and zucchini and I cook it down. Maybe you could use some bone broth or just some vegetable broth. And I cook it down and then I blend it. And I find that it's much easier to digest those vegetables, you know, the broccoli without getting, some people get a bit bloated and windy. So it just play around with different ways to cook those vegetables because particularly having them raw in salad may cause a little bit of bloating. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah, for some people it can be difficult. And you know what? If they can't get those vegetables at all because there's some gut problems going on, some people might have too much bacteria in the small intestine and they can't actually digest those foods. I would say make sure you're getting all your other vegetables that are easier to digest. And if you do have estrogen problems, you may want to supplement with something like a DIM just to help or, or a brassica supplement just to help the detoxification if, if there's any problems there. And then looking after the gallbladder. So looking after the gallbladder is, you know, your bitter vegetables. So maybe your, what do you call rocket? You call it 
Oh, arugula. That's a yeah. Yes. So that, yeah, <laughs> that can be great for gallbladder. But do you know what I find is the best thing for the gallbladder is actually apple cider vinegar. Yes. So even though it's not necessarily an everyday food at the moment, I think a lot of people know what it is and it's easy to actually source a good unrefined apple cider vinegar. But that will really give your gallbladder so much support. Two teaspoons or 10 mils in water daily just helps to soften the any bile, any sticky bile. It helps to soften any stones and then that will help detoxification. So those foods definitely for, for cleansing. And then balancing your blood sugar levels, foods that help to balance your blood sugar. Because if you can reduce insulin, reduce blood glucose, what you're going to get is you're going to get hormones synthesizing in the correct manner. So if you've got, say, hyperinsulinemia or high blood glucose, your progesterone is more likely to turn into testosterone or it's more likely to go down another route rather than staying where it should be. So balancing blood sugar and using foods like good quality protein, you know, organic chicken, organic lamb, organic grass-fed beef, and then fats like avocado, some good quality butter and olives to just help keep that insulin levels and keep the glucose levels in a good place so the hormones can then do what they need to do. That's really great. And I love that you've touched on liver and gallbladder and blood sugar because it's not just one thing. And so many women I can bet come into your practice and it's just like, I want to lose weight. And it's like, it's so beyond that, right? It's looking at all of these pieces of the puzzle, especially with blood sugar. I do find so many women are confused about that and they instantly think that, well, because I'm not a diabetic, I don't have issues with my blood sugar. But exactly, yeah. Yeah. And so I know that you talk a lot about helping women to achieve their new normal. And so what are some of the top strategies that you feel women need to focus on in order to achieve this new normal? And I know that obviously detoxification probably plays a role in blood sugar, but what are some of these strategies? Definitely. And I find that, so the first place I like women to look at in terms of when we put a plan in place, and anyone can do this, the first place to look at is just start by balancing out your macronutrients at your meal. So your macronutrients are your fats, your proteins, and your starchy carbs. And then you've got your vegetables, your non-starchy vegetables. Just start by balancing them out and recognizing what a good meal is for you. So after having a meal, you should feel satisfied, you should feel happy, you should feel energized, and you shouldn't need to eat until your next meal. So normally we're having three meals a day. And I'm a big fan of there are ketogenic diets out there. We've got the 5-2 diet. But the best place to start is to learn what meal suits you so that you can just start at having three meals a day, stop having so many snacks, stop craving sugar, stop feeling hungry after each meal. And that's the best place to start. Then what I see works really well, and I suspect you'll agree with me, is when you start removing your trigger foods. And for most people, a lot of people with hormone issues, trigger foods might be soy, wheat, and for some it can be dairy. And I notice as soon as women remove wheat, if they suffer from heavy, painful periods, literally within two cycles, their heavy, painful periods are gone. Yes, absolutely. It's really interesting to see that. So that's the first place to start in terms of a strategy and where they need to focus. Diet, I think, is key and number one. 
And then secondly, focusing on self-care. And I know people are talking about this. I know it's kind of like the buzzword at the moment, but it's so important when it comes to your hormones because hormones are so interconnected and we've got cortisol, we've got adrenaline. And if you're busy, if you're just running from task to task, if you're doing things in a busy manner and constantly feeling stressed and busy, your hormones are not going to get a chance to settle down. You're going to be in your sympathetic nervous state the whole time. So focusing on self-care is really vital to balancing hormones. And especially for women, I know you work with a lot of women who have Hashimoto's, so That's right. especially for women who have autoimmune conditions that are related to hormones as well. Self-care is just pivotal. Definitely. I can totally speak to that from personal experience. And I mean, your body cannot heal if you are not slowing down and if you're not sleeping well, which is a part of self-care. Again, it's all connected. And even though I love my job and I love what I do and I'm, I'm a busy entrepreneur, still having a to-do list of 30 different things on my plate is still a lot and really stressful. So it's definitely an area I've had to focus on really, like it's really hone in on in this past year for sure. And it's different for women. And I think as women, we're kind of just trying to figure it out because we haven't been in the workforce for a long time compared to men. We haven't been working these hours. And for many women, they might be working long hours, looking after a house, maybe looking after kids and still doing a lot of that stuff. So for women, it's new. And I think what I've seen, especially being in corporate, women tended to mirror men, what men were doing, how men were working, how men were looking after themselves. And women were tending to mirror that instead of finding their own power in how they needed to care for themselves. And I think that's why I saw, I worked for a big corporate company and I saw a lot of women suffering. A lot of the women at the top were having problems getting pregnant. Definitely what they called at the time kind of nervous breakdowns or lots of women I would see in tears, these executives in tears because of the stress. So I think we're now coming to a realization that what we need as women to get through this busy, stressful time is more focus inwards, more focus on ourselves and more of that kind of quiet time as I like to call it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you are a mother, so I'm sure you have crazy busy schedule as well and work and being an entrepreneur and you have a practice and kids and family, you know, we all have to find self-care in our own way incorporate that in our own way. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of women too think that you have to go to the spa in order to have self-care and it doesn't have to be expensive and you don't have to go to the spa. I mean, just simply having a hot bath at night or mm -hmm. dimming the lights down, putting some candles and reading a book at night. It doesn't have to mean going to the spa and spending all this money. Exactly. Just, yeah, just finding time. It's just about finding that time, whether it's 10 minutes, reading a book or magazine with a herb tea, just enjoying that, you know, finding joy in that quietness. Absolutely. I love that. So I noticed that on Instagram, you talked about the benefits of grounding and mm -hmm. how this is wonderful for our hormones. And I'm sure this is wonderful for self-care as well. So can you expand on this a little bit? Oh, wow. Do you know what I do? I realize, and I think that's what I said in on my post, that it is the missing link. And I figured this out when I've moved to an apartment where I feel like I've got lots, I'm close, my office is close to the kitchen and I feel like I've got lots of electrical equipment around me. 
And I just noticed myself maybe not sleeping as well and just getting a little bit drained. And there was this one night where I went to the beach and I was just sat on the beach for about an hour and a half with some friends. And I'll tell you what, I slept amazing that night. Mm -hmm. I've never had such a beautiful sleep in terms of just a calm sleep, restorative sleep. It was amazing. And I just thought, what's going on here? So I started to look into it more and just have a look in, you know, what grounding is doing and with the negative ions that come into your body when you do ground with the earth. You know, we're talking about skin on the earth, so your feet on the earth, on sand, on grass, on your path, or some people, you, if you wear leather sole shoes, so like a natural sole shoes, that will actually ground you as well. And what that's doing is that's helping to bring in negative ions, which reduce the positive ions. And this is reducing inflammation in your body. It's helping your body to detox as well. These negative ions help with the detoxification process. But what it's also been shown to do is to help increase melatonin and serotonin. And so when we increase melatonin, we're actually then balancing out estrogen levels because we know that melatonin and estrogen kind of a little bit of a seesaw going on there. It also helps to increase your progesterone levels and it helps to balance out cortisol as well. So if you're in a hyper alert state and you've got super high cortisol, the grounding will actually help to bring that down. So I'm pretty sure there's going to be more studies coming out. There's going to be more evidence, but that's what I can see. And that's what I've seen in all the literature that's out there in terms of how it's affecting your hormones and just by how I was feeling. So it, it was amazing. Do you do it? Do you ground regularly? Do you try to? Yes. I mean, we live in a condo, an apartment building, and I mean, we're 27 floors up. So we're so far from the earth and we're surrounded by so much Wi-Fi. So for me personally, like I do find I'm very affected by it. So I have mm -hmm. to make it a priority to go outside. And it's really important that I go on daily walks, connect with the earth, and it does impact my sleep in such a great way. Yeah. Look, it's hard sometimes. I can be in at my desk all day and, and you get busy and you kind of forget to go out. But I do think it's the missing link. And I think in years to come, we'll realize kind of what a mistake we've all made in terms of all the electrics around us. And it's not just Wi-Fi, it's the radiation coming off. I mean, I don't like it. I really don't want to scare people. And I don't, that's, I hate to think that I would ever scare people, but just the radiation that comes off things is quite scary. So hopefully everyone's getting a bit smarter, but the first thing people can do is even if it's just, you know, 10 minutes a day, feet on the earth, that's where everyone can start. Absolutely. There's a young client that I'm currently working with. He's 17. And I don't typically work with teenagers unless, of course, they're coming to see me with their parents. Because let's face it, most teenagers aren't going to do what I say. <laughs> but he's 17 and he has EMF sensitivity, electromagnetic frequency oh. sensitivity. And he can't go to school and because it's Wi-Fi and the school actually refuses to make it a Wi-Fi free zone. So the family has literally had to move and completely like uproot and go move into more of like the forest and more up north into like cottage country. And the biggest improvement with his health is by going outside. 
He has to literally put his feet on the earth and that's when he starts to feel better. Otherwise, he has all this overwhelming anxiety and irritability and he doesn't go near his phone and doesn't use Wi-Fi like nothing. And I mean, there is some deeper underlying autoimmune issues going on as well, but the grounding has made a huge difference for him. And so... wow. Yeah, And you, you hear that from some people with babies, that inside the baby is just crying and really uncomfortable. Then as soon as they go outside, go for a walk in nature, calms completely down, goes to sleep. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I do think people and schools, they need to start hardwiring everything and, and just thinking ahead. Absolutely. And I mean, I know for myself, again, like being in this building that's just loaded with so much Wi-Fi, I do feel really, really off. So, And especially like so many entrepreneurs that I know, we're working inside all day long, we're under artificial light. And I always tell people like, you have to get vitamin N, which is nature. And you know, it's the missing link, 100%. Have you tested your apartment like to see what's going on or are you just not a bit scared to do that? <laughs> I'm a little <laughs> hesitant, but I'm very curious. Yeah. It's something that my boyfriend and I have talked about. We're considering moving in about a year to actually buy a house. So I definitely know I need to get out of here. I can tell you actually the first summer that I moved into this building, I've been here for about six years. The very first summer of living here, once the air conditioning came on, I actually started to react to, I don't know what, some type of perhaps fungus or mold or something that was coming through the air conditioning because as I would lie on our bed at night, the air conditioning would blow over my skin and I had this fungal reaction and these like spots that were showing up on my skin. And they've actually showed up again because, well, the air conditioning is on. And so we've had to throw out all our sheets. We bought all organic cotton sheets. I clean out the vents as much as I possibly can. But I just know at the end of the day, being in this building is by far just not the best thing I can do for my health. So we are looking to buy a house. But I'd be very curious to test and see what we can find. It would be interesting to test. And just simple things like even furniture, you know, just getting natural wood furniture rather than plastic, metal, man-made material, you know, just doing simple things like that, I think can help people that can't move or, or have issues. Absolutely. And little things like essential oils that can really help to purify the air. And we also have air purifiers that we have throughout the condo as well, which cleans the air as well. Uh Whatever we can do, we do while we're living here. We make the best of what we have, right? So I can bet that stress is a top concern for many of the women that come to see you. And grounding is going to be one of those great things that we can introduce for supporting stress management. But what are some simple things that we can really do to support our adrenal health? Okay, so I see a mix of women that are in that kind of like hyper stress state and then some that have actually progressed to adrenal fatigue. So we've got women that are in that anxiety, that kind of like stress, not sleeping, that wired and tired kind of state. For those women particularly, they really need to focus on lifestyle. So it's doing anything slowly. And I'll tell you the two biggest things I've seen to help 
switch our nervous system from sympathetic to parasympathetic, from fight, flight to rest and digest. So we want to be in that resting state the majority of the time, unless we've got something that we need to do, unless there's a, that some issue or something's happening, we need to be in that state the majority of the time. And the two things I've seen that can switch us is one, deep breathing. So in through the nose, out through the mouth. So three or more seconds breathing in, hold for three seconds, and then out for three seconds. So it's kind of that deep breathing. And just doing that 10 times helps to reset. It's crazy, but it just has such a profound effect on the nervous system. And then eating slowly. So, so many people gobble, gobble down their food, but eating slowly, the action of eating slowly on the nervous system, it sends signals to our nervous system. So if we're eating fast, I've got cats, I've got two cats. They eat both eat so fast, but the reason they eat fast and the reason one of my cats eats fast is because the other one will eat fast and then she'll (laughs) run over to my other cat and try and steal her food. So my other cat will just gobble, 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 eat as fast as she can. And they eat so fast sometimes that they throw the food back up. That's because they're in that stress state. And that's what eating fast does. So if we as humans eat fast, we're basically telling our nervous system, danger, danger alert, someone's going to steal our food, someone's going to come and kill us, there's another tribe out there that are going to come and, you know, interfere with what's going on. So it's literally sending these messages saying, right, high alert, high alert people. So breathing deeply and eating, chewing super slow, (laughs) I see are the two best things we can do to actually rebalance our nervous system. I love that. Those are just such simple strategies. And it's really funny because you make me think of my boyfriend who eats so fast. And sometimes I'm like, did you even chew your food? (laughs) And he's like, hey, you didn't grow up in a household with three siblings and everybody trying to fight for food. And I'm like, yes. So could you imagine the stress dinner time in his house? I mean, if everyone's, yeah, everyone's scared, there's not going to be enough food. That just would make you so stressed out and you'd be eating fast and then your whole body would be in this kind of high alert state. Totally, totally. And then it kind of wears off on me because he's like eating so fast and I'm sitting there like almost like I have to keep up. So I have to be (laughs) really conscious of it. But those are such simple strategies that we can implement, especially the breathing. I mean, we have to breathe. Without breathing, we wouldn't be alive. So being more conscious of those deep belly breaths just has such Mm -hmm. a profound effect. I love that. So I'd love to switch the conversation to talk about hormones and skin health, because I know you do talk a lot about the connection between our hormones and how it can impact our skin. So maybe we can expand on that and what we can do to support our skin health and support our hormones in turn. Yeah, I mean, definitely hormones, balanced hormones, the estrogen being in a nice place, the progesterone being in a nice place, the testosterone being where it should be, balanced hormones bring on that kind of bright, vibrant look. And a lot of women will feel this through their cycle. So you know how sometimes through your cycle, you kind of feel like you look in the mirror and you'll be like, wow, damn, I look good today. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And then other times you'll be like, whoa, what happened? Did I have a big night or something? It can change so dramatically. And that time where you, you know, you look bright, your eyes are a bit wider, your eyes look brighter, your skin's brighter, that's when your hormones are in a really beautiful balanced state. Your estrogen's where it should be, your progesterone's where it should be. And then what happens is if the hormones are out of balance and we've got crazy high estrogen and our progesterone's kind of flatlining, that's when things will start to happen. And I can see things actually happening quite quickly. So I find women will come to me and they can say, 
wow, I feel like I've aged 10 years in just a few months. And that can be as simple as, say, progesterone just dropping out, our body not being able to produce the progesterone, either to do with stress. So when we're stressed, our pituitary won't function as well as it should be. And what our body tends to do is it prioritizes cortisol. So it takes the progesterone. And then what will happen is progesterone is actually helps to boost collagen production. So what can happen within such a short period of time is women can start to notice more fine lines, deeper wrinkles, because the collagen's not being supported, the collagen can't be produced as well as it was. It doesn't have the hormones and it can happen quite quickly. So that's one thing I see. And then also dryness. So if there's a hormone imbalance, whether it be elevated testosterone, like women with polycystic ovarian syndrome, they can often get problems with either dry skin, uneven skin, and particularly acne as well. And that can be because of the elevated testosterone and low estrogen. So it's all about that fine balance because without that balance, acne, dry skin, fine lines, wrinkles, even conditions like rosacea flare up with elevated estrogen, eczema, psoriasis flare up with elevated estrogen, uneven skin tone, open veins, that kind of thing. So it's all about that balance. And once you get that balance in place, that's the best way to brighten up the skin, but it's the best way to prevent premature aging. It really is. If the hormones are in balance and you've got beautiful estrogen to progesterone ratio, you're going to have younger skin for longer. That's wonderful. And this also goes back to what you spoke about with the liver and the gallbladder and blood sugar. Just focusing on that as well is going to have such a positive impact on your hormones. And then that's going to show on your skin, which is great. Exactly, exactly. I'm looking at research at the moment or trying to find a lot of with gallbladder, gallbladder health and gray hair. So I'm just sort of trying to find out the connection between the gallbladder maybe not working as well and premature graying because I feel like particularly with that detoxification process, there's a huge link. That's really interesting. Yeah, I would love to know that information. I do. I have a lot of clients who are getting gray hair so early and I'd be curious to see that link between their gallbladder. Do you ever give bile salts to clients of yours who have had their gallbladder removed? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it helps. It really does help. Right. I think it's so wild that yeah. the medical doctors don't ever suggest that. It's crazy. And here's the thing about gallbladder removal. We know the connection between estrogen dominance and gallbladder issues. And most women that have their gallbladder removed have estrogen dominant problems. Then they have the gallbladder removed and that causes the problem to get worse. And then it leads to other things. So it's so important if they can prevent getting their gallbladder removed, either by taking bile salts, for doing apple cider vinegar. I don't know, have you tried the gallbladder flush yourself? Have you tried it? Because I haven't. No, the liver gallbladder cleanse. Mm, yeah. I have not. And I have the book and I literally <laughs> look at it every day on my shelf. <laughs> and I always tell myself I'm going to do it. But it just seems like such this kind of intensive process. It does. Yeah. Yeah. But I hear wonderful things. I definitely am going to have to give it a try. Maybe oh, I'm going to have to try it because, yeah. Yeah, we should maybe be each other's accountability partner and go through it. That sounds like a plan because <laughs> the results, people feel amazing afterwards and on skin and aging and even that, just feeling fantastic because we can do so much work on the gut. So we can like 
you know, if someone's got bad bacteria in the gut, we can give them antimicrobials, we can give them powdarco, oregano. But if the gallbladder is not producing beautiful, thin bile to support the small intestine, we're kind of just going around in a vicious cycle and it's a losing battle, really. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you dove into the gallbladder there. It's not something that we've spoken about yet on the podcast. So I think it's an area that we need to be more just aware about. So yeah. So thank you for sharing that. So you just shared such really great information with us. Thank you so much. I would love it if you can tell our audience more about your kickstart cleanse that you have available. Yes, the Kickstart Cleanse. Look, it's a really cool three-day cleanse. And it's really about everything we've talked about today in kind of miniature. So three days of beautiful cleansing meals, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, hormone balancing, cleansing meals. Plus it gives you three days sort of tips of what you need to do self-care wise. So it goes through self-care and then it also goes through what you can do each day to help your body cleanse, you know, dry skin brushing, that kind of thing. So it's got the lifestyle advice, it's got cleansing advice, self-care priorities, and then beautiful meals for three days, your breakfast, your lunch, and your dinner with snack ideas. The idea is to give women a look at about how they can do things and still enjoy eating normal food. It's good food for you. It's cleansing and it helps to support your body and support your hormones. So this cleanse, it's free and you get a booklet with all the information and the meal plan as well. So it's a really great cleanse. And the reviews I get and the testimonials from people that have done it, they get results. They do it for three days and they feel fantastic. I think when you remove trigger foods, when you start caring for your blood sugar and just gently cleansing and giving your body the nutrients it needs, your body can pick up so quickly. Absolutely. I really love that. So that's a free three-day cleanse, the Kickstart Cleanse. I will be sure to share the link to that in our show notes. Thank you so much for being with us today. And where can everybody find you online? Where are you hanging out? Well, they can find me over on Facebook and also on Instagram, Naturopath Naomi. And then I've got a blog, which is naomijudge.com. Perfect. Well, I'll be sure to put all of that in our show notes. So thank you so much for being here. Everybody go check out Naomi on Facebook, on Instagram, and definitely come on over to the show notes to grab that three-day cleanse. Thank you so much, Naomi. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, ladies, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode with Naomi, and I hope you're going to create your new normal with the strategies and tips that she shared with us today. And of course, you can follow her over on Instagram at naturopathnaomi. And for access to her Kickstart Cleanse, you can grab the link to that in today's show notes at holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 21. And of course, if you head on over to holisticwellness.ca forward slash podcast, you can grab access to all of the past episodes and all of the show notes over there. Thanks so much for tuning in. Come hit me up on Instagram if you've got questions, other topics, and ideas for future episodes. 
come hit me up at Holistic Wellness Foodie on Instagram. And of course, you can connect with me through my website at holisticwellness.ca. Thanks everybody for tuning in. If you haven't yet left us a review or rating over on iTunes or whichever platform it is that you are listening to this podcast on, your ratings means so, so much to us. It really does allow us to reach more women and to help more women, which is exactly what we're here to do. So thank you everybody for tuning in and I'll chat with you next week.